I had forgotten about this, but I was reminded this past week that there's a group of women in our church who have taken on a, in my mind, a huge project. I mean, almost overwhelming, it seems like, but I'm so proud of them. It's it's awesome. Um, Those ladies who've been going to the Friday Bible study with Leanna, she gave them a task, if you haven't heard of this, to not only study the Holy Spirit, but to, on their own, go and work and research and write portions of what will be eventually collected together to be a book about the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a, that is a task, let me tell you. That is not a simple thing. Asking somebody to write, you know, a, a study, a book about the Holy Spirit, it, it's like trying to take a 10-ton elephant and fit it inside a shoebox, you know. You can, you can barely get any in. And how in the world could you encompass all of what the Holy Spirit is? And, and literally, you can't. I mean, it's impossible, and they, they're aware of that as well. I mean, the depth of who God is is such an awesome thing and mysterious thing. In fact, we got into this in um, one of our small groups Wednesday night during Cross Point. I love Miss Kathleen. She brought the question. She was saying, uh, she's one of those who's writing and researching and, and wrestling through with issues of the Holy Spirit. I love to see people just kind of wrestling with trying to understand something more. And she was bringing up the subject of what it is to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. And what an awesome thing. And we talked about it from ten different angles, I think, and discussed. And, you know, one of us saw it this way and used an illustration. Another used it that way. And it was just it was wonderful, but we kept saying the complexity of it, no matter how we try to describe it, talk about it, no matter scriptures we uh, use to go over that, we're only getting a, a small part of what this thing is. And that is very true. Again, when it comes to God, when it comes to understanding who he is, you just, it's only a small portion you can get because God is so huge. And so beyond understanding, I mean, you could walk down to my office right now and you'd see bookshelves filled with books about trying to explain God and how we relate to God and all the things of God. And I've got not only physical books, I've got a computer filled with digital books. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But yet, have I even come close to figuring out all the aspects of who God is? Not even close. God is so huge and so awesome. Now, That's wonderful to know, but it can also be daunting to realize that. You know, there are times that in my walk with God, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but there's there's times I'm like, all right, God, I think I've got you, at least in this portion of you, I think I've got you kind of figured out. I think I know what you're doing here, God. I I think I see how you're leading. I, I think I know how to deal with this with you, God. And then I realize that I cannot put God in a box. And then he shows me something deeper, and I just go, God, sometimes I don't get you. Now, that's not a bad thing. we got to realize that God is God and we are not. And it is certainly okay to realize that we cannot understand all of who God is. That God is so huge and so complex and so wonderful, we can only grasp a portion of who he is. Now, The problem comes in that when we realize the truth that God is so huge and beyond our understanding, but then we take that same idea, same thought, and apply it to our walk with Him, 
and we overcomplicate what our life is like, is supposed to be like with God. We get frustrated when we can't understand what, is God, what God is doing in our life and how we relate to Him in certain things. I mean, maybe you don't feel like this, but I'm just up the pastor up here trying to explain. Sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I do get frustrated because I'm trying to say, God, I, I thought I had this solved. I thought I had it figured out. I, I thought I knew where you were going and you were leading me in this. And, and then now that's not the case. And we look at the complexity of who God is, and then we think that our walk with him needs to be some complex, mysterious, grand, barely comprehensible thing. It's not the case. We realize that in some ways that even though God is so huge, that really we could sum up what our life is to be like with him in very simple terms. In fact, if you look at the teachings of Christ, he is constantly trying to bring it down to simplicity. He's constantly getting on those who are overcomplicating with all the things they're trying to do. To please God, to look right before God. And, and he is always bringing it down to simple things of love God, love people, obey what he's, what he's teaching, just to have the relationship with them. He's constantly simplifying it. And what do we do? We like to complicate it. Well, we don't like to, but we end up doing it anyway. This morning, I want to look at a Bible passage, at least one of the verses in this passage. You'll probably know, you've heard before, it's pretty familiar. But this passage is a wonderful reminder of what God wants from you. And I'm here to tell you the good news is not going to be some complex, some deep, some way over beyond your understanding kind of thing. It is wonderful. It is simple and hopefully restores some joy to us in what our daily walk with God is supposed to look like. What God wants from you. God may be beyond our full understanding, but what he wants from you today, this day, the next day, is not beyond your understanding. It is easily grasped. Let's look at it together. What God wants from you. In the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 6, Verses 1 through 8. Let's look at the scripture, and we'll go back and, and talk about it together this morning. It says this, Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. And also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted? And what Balaam, son of Baor, answered? Remember your journey for Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. 
What shall I come before the uh, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now verse 8 is the verse some of you, or probably many of you have heard or know very well. But what this passage teaches is so important. I want you to take a little bit of time this morning and understand what's really going on here. Again, we're in the, the Old Testament book of Micah. Micah is another one of those prophets, the long line of prophets God sent to his people when they were living disobediently. God gave him the message to give to the people to draw their hearts back unto him. And here we have this kind of conversation between what God has to say to the people and what should their response be. Now, I love this because it starts with these things of God saying, listen to what I have to tell you. In fact, put a verse 3 for us this morning. Look at what God begins by saying. He says, my people, what have I done to you? This is the Lord saying, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I, this question right here, think about it for a second. God is kind of saying, okay, people, you've been complaining about me. You've been upset at me. You haven't been pleased with me. Tell me how. Now, if God was saying that to you today, because we all know that sometimes we complain, don't we? We all know that sometimes we claim that God has burdened us with, you know, it's hard to live for him. It's hard to know what you want us to do, God. We complain, and God says, what have I done to you? How? Tell me how I have truly burdened you. Think about what Christ said in the New Testament, right? He said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Right? He's talking, and God's the same thing. It's the reminder that he's fixing to give the people. It's saying, you have a complaint against me? You think I've been harsh on you? You think my burden's been too much? Well, let's just stop and count the ways of the awesome things I have done for you, my people. And then what does he do? He goes into it, gives just a few. He says, um, remember you were in slavery? Yeah, about 400 years. I kind of brought you up out of that, didn't I? I think through the Bible, how many times do we see the Israelites as they are being delivered out of Egypt, out of the slavery, out of the terrible oppression that they suffered for all those years, they're being delivered from that, and what do they keep doing? Oh, this is terrible. Why can we just stay in Egypt? We, we had homes there. We had food there. We could have just died in Egypt. They complained for all those years, get us out of here. And then as God is doing it, they're complaining that God's not doing it the right way. 
Oh, we have nothing to eat. We have nothing to drink. Boom. Manna. Quail. Water from a rock. God miraculously provides. What do they start doing? We're sick of this manna. Oh, quail. I've had too much of it. Ugh. They complain because they're having a bad day, but they forget the grand picture of the awesome things God is doing. Tell me that's not what you and I do. We have a bad day. Something doesn't go our way. We face something we don't like, and what do we do? God, why you let me go through this? It's not fair. Oh, God, why... If, why did you bring me to this? I was following you and now I'm having this bad day. And, uh, and what do we not do? We don't stop and realize that, yes, in the midst of God's awesome plans for us, there's going to be some days where it feels like the valley of the shadow of death is over us. It's going to feel... Like some things aren't always going very well. The Israelites, as they wandered through that wilderness, as they went from Egypt to the Promised Land, not every day was awesome. But the, whole, the overall journey was. I mean, think of, think of the mighty things they experienced. I mean, who in this room wouldn't want to go and walk through the Red Sea with a wall of water on your left and on your right and be delivered in that way. I mean, I would, I would give anything to go see that and be, be right there at that moment. But there were some bad days leading up to that. There were some hard days after that. But it was in the middle of something awesome God was doing. And so we forget this. We forget the big picture and instead complain about the momentary suffering. God, it's not fair that you're letting me go through this. God, I don't, you know, I thought I was living for you right. I thought I was doing good things, but God, I don't understand you. I thought you loved me, and I thought this, and I thought that, but why am I going through these things? God is trying to remind the people, why are you complaining? Tell me, what have I really done to you? What have I brought you out of slavery? He gives the illustration of, of Balaam, right? When Balaam was told to curse the people, what did God do? He turned the curse into the blessing. If you haven't read that Old Testament passage in a while, go back and read it. It's, it's an awesome one. And God's saying, I turn, not only do I deliver you, I turn your curses into blessings. You still got to complain against me? He says, remember, I said, I, I fulfilled my promise. He said, I took you for Shittim, that was the last place they, the Israelites encamped on the outside of the promised land. He said, I took you from there, across the Jordan, to Gilgal, the first place they camped on the inside of the promised land. I fulfilled my word to you. What have I done to you? How have I burdened you with all of these blessings? But yet they complain, right? We can't say much because we look at our own selves today and I can go, if I'll stop and I'll think about how God has done mighty things and he has delivered 
He has turned curse to bless. He has fulfilled his promises. Yet in the middle of that, there are going to be some things that don't go my way. There's going to be bad news. There's going to be stumbling blocks. There's going to be trials and tribulations. Now, I could either focus on those things and complain against God and say, well, God, it's no good serving you because I just can't figure you out, God. I thought you were going to do all this for me, but look at the terrible things I'm going through. We could try to throw a little temper tantrum and complain against God and how burdensome it is to, to be obedient and faithful to God's ways. Or we can stop and go, yeah, today's not a great day. But wow, God, how you have provided in the big picture. Wow, you are awesome. You're, I may have a momentary struggle, but I can't forget the big picture of what you have been doing, what you're continuing doing, how faithful you are. Sometimes, friends, we need this. Some, sometimes, friends, we need the bad day and so we can stop and think about, well, really, what complaint do I have when I think of God, how awesomely you have provided. I love this. I love what God puts this question before us. He did it to the Israelites then. He does it to you and me now. He says, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Tell me. Answer me. And we realize we stand there without a real answer. Now, realizing this question and dealing with it is the first step for you and me to get past our momentary complaints and issues, to get past, past this idea of we just can't understand God and what he's doing, and so therefore we can't be faithful to him, we can't serve him. That, God is telling us first, think of what I really have done for you. But then here's what comes next. Notice what the response was, right? Mike is writing this in the passage. Go to verse 6 for us. Verse 6 and 7 uh, shows us. It says, okay, well, thinking of what God has done, the response of the people, here's the common response. It's not the right response, but as God is pouring out his word, he's saying this is what people do. What the, with what shall I come before the Lord and exalt his name? He is, it's the reminder, God, you are worthy of a, uh, praise. So what shall I bring before you? Shall I come before you with burnt offerings? Should I come and offer a bunch of stuff to you? Uh, bring the, the one-year-old perfect calf and bring it as, as a sacrificial offering. No, I, I need to do more. I need to do more. What's the next thing? Put up verse 7 for us. It says, no, maybe I need a thousand animals. Maybe a thousand. That'll please you, God. No, how about 10,000 rivers of oil? No, that's not good enough. Uh, I need to, what can I do to make God happy with me? I'll offer my firstborn. I love that. Shall I offer the firstborn for my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now tell me, is this not what people try to do to God? God, what, show me the things I'm going to do. Show me all the little things I can do to try to make you happy. And if then if you're happy with me, my life will be. This is all about the actions of the body. This is performance-based. It's look at me. It's what my kids do. It's what your kids have done when they're little. I know that 
there'll be a time pretty soon I'll be home trying to sit and watch something on TV. One of the boys will come in and go, Dad, 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 hey, Dad, hey, Dad, look at me. Dad, right here, look, 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 look at me, Dad, Dad, Daddy, Dad, look at me. I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm over here. Look at me, look at me, look at me. What? I made this thing. Good for you. Now, I know the child wants affirmation. They want to know their dad's proud of them. But what that child, I hope, what my children hope, I hope they learn, what I know you want your children, grandchildren, to learn. I want them to understand that I love them. I'm proud of them. I'm going to take care of them, whether they made that thing or did that thing or not. They don't have to perform to make me happy. They don't have to perform and do a bunch of stuff for me to suddenly go, yes, I do love that child. Wow, he did really good today. No, I already love that child. I'm still going to be father. I'm still going to provide. I'm still going to nurture and take care of that child whether they got my attention and did a bunch of stuff or not. I'm proud when my children do things, but my pride and my love is not dependent on their performance of all the external things they do. But tell me, is that not what we do? We're grown-ups, but don't we do that with God? 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 Hey, God? God, hey, God, look at me. Look at me. I'm at church today. Hey, God, look at me. I helped somebody today. Hey, God, look at me. I'm writing my tithe check today. God, did you see that? Did you see that? God, God, Daddy, God. Can I give a thousand rivers of oil? Can I give what's, if I do all this thing, will you finally be happy with me, God? It's not the way it works. That is not what God is asking of you. God loves you before you ever did that thing. He is still your father before you ever performed one thing or not, whether you were, before you ever decided to get up and come to church this morning or to read your Bible or to get on your knees in prayer or do anything. He still loved you. He's still proud of you. He's still, he is still God. He is still father for you. Does he love to see you do good things? Does he love to see you sacrifice and give and serve and all that? Yes. But his love for you, his pride for you, his, all, all things he has done is not performance-based. You can't earn your way into a deeper relationship, understanding anything of God. He is already God for you in your life. He has already provided a way for you. You can't just like the, the passage here, you can't try to give just one more thing so God will then you be pleased with me. Friends, I have seen people try to act this way so many times, I'll be the first to have done it myself. I've seen people who get tired of living for themselves. Right? They say, well, following God is just too hard. I can't understand you, God. I don't know what you want from me. You're too complicated, too beyond my understanding. I'm going to go live for myself. I'll just go live the way I want to live because following you, I, I can't always understand where you're leading me. So I'll go, I'll go follow my leading. Well, where's that going to lead you? It's going to lead you to disaster, ruin, disappointment. So that person in the midst of that disaster will come, and I've seen them come, the front of this church and every other church so many times. I'm sick and tired of living for myself. God, I'm coming back to God. I want to serve you, God. I love, I, I, 
I know I complained before, but I'm remembering all the good things you've really done for me. So I'm back to serving you today, God. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a bunch of good stuff. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray a thousand times. I'm going to share Christ with every single person I encounter. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to work so hard, God, you're going to finally really love me. And you're going to do all these things for me. And my life won't be like that anymore. And then a bad day hits. And then something unexpected comes. And they say, but God, weren't you looking at all, at all that stuff I was doing? I was really trying. I was really working. I was giving my best, and, and this stuff happened. I don't understand this, God. I guess that didn't work. I'll just go back to living for myself again. And the cycle repeats itself over and over and over because people are thinking, I'll get good with God when I do enough stuff, when I perform to the best of my ability. And that means God, God won't let anything else happen, bad happen in my life. Then we get to the point. I know I've taken a little bit long to get here, but verse 8 is kind of where it hits home for us, isn't it? It's not about all the stuff you can give, but put it up. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. <coughs> and what does the Lord require of you? Not the thousand rivers of oil, not the firstborn son, the, the fruit of your body for the sins of your soul. Now it says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, I told you earlier, so there's a lot of you probably know this verse. Maybe some of you memorized it. I've met some people who say this is their life verse. You know, to, I, I know God has called me to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before him. That's what, that's what I'm going to focus on. Well, those are good things, but I'm going to show you right now, and I'm going to tell you that even this, you can take and apply it way the wrong way and still be fully about performance. Now, think about what it says, to act justly. What does that mean? To, to, um, to live fairly, righteously, to... To do what is right, if we're going to be really simple. To not only before God and yourself, but as you deal with other people, not to be dishonest, to be fair, to be equitable, to, to you know, to again, be, to be just in what you do. To act justly. And not only that, to love mercy. What is mercy? It's showing the kindness that is, that's not deserved. It's giving the blessing even when it's not easy. It's it's not only just being just and fair and righteous with people in your own life, but to look for ways to be merciful and loving, kind towards them. I mean, loving people, right? And to walk humbly with your God. Uh, the word humbly there, it's kind of a unique one in the original language. It, it's kind of saying this to watch carefully your walk. You know, to always stay with God. I mean... We could kind of rephrase this to what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's pretty close to what this is saying. To act justly, to be, I mean, to be right, to be honest, you know, an honest life, before, to be merciful, merciful for others, and to walk humbly 
you know, not being prideful of I'm going to live my own way, but to be humble and constantly walk before God. Now, all good things, and I, I want to see this in your life, I want to see this in my life, that you are just, that you are merciful, and you are humble. But just like the previous things, you can take this and misapply it. You can say, well, God, did you see how just I was today? God, were you watching me? Because I really showed some awesome mercy today. Oh, wait a second. I'm missing me saying that. I haven't been very humble. Forgive me, Lord. I am so humble today before you. Right? You can take these things and still turn it into the performance. Look at how much I've done. So what are we supposed to do about this? Let me ask you a question. See if we can figure this out and wrap it up. Three things, three commands, right? To act justly before the Lord, with God, to love mercy with God in your walk with God, and to be humble with God. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. What's the most important of those? You don't have to answer out loud, but just take, take a couple seconds. What do you think is the most important of those commands, phrases? They're all related to our relationship with God. Is it to act justly? Or is it to be merciful? Or is it to be humble? What do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you right now it's a trick question because it's none of those things. There's two words in there that tell us that it's where the focus of all this is. To walk. What is this telling us? I know I'm going a long way around to make a simple point, but it's worth making. What does God want from you? A relationship with you. That's what he wants. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to talk with him. He wants you to share with him. He wants you to unburn your heart, cast your cares on him. He wants to hear from you. He wants to talk with you. He wants you walking by his side like the dad he is in your life. And yes, as you reflect on him, and as you learn of his awesomeness and his complexity, yes, do you want to see a just life coming out. Yes, you want to see mercy in your life. You want to be humble before God. But all that pales in comparison to the fact that God simply wants you in relationship with him. What does God want from you? A relationship. That's it. That is, that sums it up right there. God is not as near as complicated of what he wants from us as he is in his own nature. Yes, I will never understand all the things of who God is. I can't grasp all of his will. But I know for sure the simplest of things that God wants a relationship with me. He wants to know me and me to know him. That's what God desires. It is that simple, friends. Will I understand every step? No. Will I get confused along the way? You betcha. Will there be moments where it's not fun and, you know, and I'll be facing some trials and I'm not sure what you're up to, God, but that does not mean I'm going to walk away from you. I'm going to seek above all things else a relationship with you, God. That's what you want. I find people all the day saying, well, God, what do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? What's the next step? What's your will? What's this? I want a relationship with you. 
I just want to be with you constantly. I want you with me constantly. I just, I created you for this relationship. That's what he wants. You don't have to worry about all the other stuff. He wants a relationship with me. Because here's the most awesome thing. You know, it's said in the passage, what should I do? Should I give my firstborn son? Should I give the fruit of my body to cover the sins of my soul? He's not telling you to do that because he did it. He says, I, I love you so much. I want a relationship with you so much. You can't give your sons to save your soul. You can't give your child to get right with me, but I can give mine. I can give my son for you to cover the sins of your soul, the transgressions of your body, so you may have a relationship with me. That's how much God loves you. Now, do you want to stand up and say, but God... Or if God is going to stand up before you and say, what complaint do you have? Tell me, what has my burden really been on you? If you'll stop and think about it, God has been so much more awesome to you than anything else. And he's done it so that he can have a relationship with you. He's done it so he can see this fruit come out in your life of acting justly and loving mercy and walking humbly. But he wants the relationship with you. You don't have to, it, we don't have to complicate that, friends. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to un, try to figure out what God's wanting. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to seek that above all else. He wants you to trust Him when you don't understand what's going on. He wants you to worship Him when you're in the midst of pain. He wants you to cry out to Him when you need answers and, and you're wanting direct. He wants a relationship with you. Just like I want with my children and then grandchildren and on and on. I want a relationship. And, but his relationship is perfect. His love for you is perfect. His provision for you is perfect. He wants a relationship. Some of you today might be struggling. Well, I just don't know what God wants from me. I can't understand what God is doing in my life right now. I can't understand. Uh, I don't know how to explain God and this element of him and all this. That's okay. If you're struggling, that's okay. It's good that you struggle some days, it's, but it's never reason for you to say, well, I don't understand you, God. I don't understand your will, your way, so I'll just go over and live for myself over here. No, in the midst of the lack of understanding, you can say, well, I know what he does want. He wants me. He wants the relationship. So, God, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to just keep loving you. I'm going to keep being about you because that's what matters. I want to walk with you. Christ tells us the exact same thing. That we are to abide in him. It's the only way we have life. So it's a simple question and a very straightforward invitation this morning. How's the walk going? I didn't say how's your understanding of God going. I'm not asking, do you, you, know, do you know everything there is to know about God? Or, you know, or do you not have a complaint about him? No, no. How's your walk with God. Are you seeking him just as much as he's seeking you? Are you seeking to walk with him in all things that you do? How's the relationship? How's the walk going? If it hadn't been going so well, let's fix that today. And it's, a, it's so simple. It's not, this is not complicated. Not complicated at all. 
It's so simple. Just start talking to him. If there's something broken in your life, just come and bring it before him. and says, God, I'm putting that aside. God, I'm here. If you know you've been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have the relationship with him. You just have to be willing to keep walking with him and stop ignoring him. If you want that relationship with him, it only happens through accepting his son, Jesus Christ. The son he gave to save the sins of your soul. Let's pray together this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's take a time to commit to him. Lead us in worship in just a moment. Before they do, this is an opportunity right now just to examine your walk. There may be some things about God you don't understand. Of course there are. I can't. And I, uh, nobody can fully grasp who God is. Maybe you're struggling with things he's doing in your life or things you don't understand what he's doing in your life. That's okay. You're not supposed to know everything what's going on. But how's the walk? Above what you think you understand, are you pursuing him in a daily walk, in everything that you do? That the relationship is there. Because that's what he wants. It's that simple, friends. And if it hadn't been there, why not restore that brokenness right now, this morning, as I begin to pray for you? As I pray, won't you take the same opportunity to talk to God? Father, we come in this place giving you thanks and praise for your mighty and holy name. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you and to praise you. God, we thank you that you just cut through all the other noise and complications and stuff that we try to throw on top of of what you want from us, God. And you just cut through it and remind us that what you're wanting from us, what you ask from us is a relationship. God, and you prove it by giving your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us, for our sins, the things that we could not do. God, forgive us when we try to be performance-based in our attempt to please you. We try to say, if we do enough things that we think you'll be happy with us then, that you'll fix the problems we're having in life. God, forgive us of that and keep us from that kind of thought. God, remind us that what you're desiring us from us is to be close to you in all things. To seek you in a daily walk, even when it's painful, even when we don't understand. God, to seek a relationship with you. And so we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for your great love. And we want to come this morning and say, there is no complaint. There is no bitterness God, we're not going to try to claim some burden. Because, God, you are awesome. And thank you for your great love for us. So, God, restore relationships. Have people talking to you again today, God, that have been ignoring you. Because of whatever complaint or whatever lack of understanding they have. God, let us act justly, love mercy. And be humble, but let all that come out of our walk with you. We thank you, God. We pray all this through the Son, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.